1: head towards nfl week seven it truly is a decision point time for your dynasty rosters there may be some people out there who have already known for a couple of weeks that the team is you know going to have to look to next year not necessarily that it's rebuilding but things have not worked out you need to maybe freshen some things up move some veteran players have your team ready for the start of the 2024 season get a kick start on that it might be a case that your team is three and three at this particular point you may have a losing record you may have a winning record not all records not all teams are created the same we're going to talk today a little bit about what you should potentially do to make those decisions and to be able to set yourself up for success because winning this year is the goal but if you can't win this year sean winning next year is the next best thing so It has sometimes it's tough to to split those hairs and make those decisions so that's what we are talking about today a little bit of big picture strategy from a dynasty point of view where will we start sean what is the first thing to look at is it a case of looking as simple as seeing how many points your roster has put up is this team away behind the rest of the league so far i i know it's not gonna be as simple as that we're gonna have to to check in and see what the roster looks like as well but Realistically, I think if teams at this particular point are one and five, for example, there, wh- where's the cutoff point? Is is two and four a time to still be considering heading for that championship, heading for those playoffs? One of the things with dynasty
2: is that there's such a huge temptation to throw in the towel and look to play for next year that you want to remember what your format is and how long the season is. I think for me, one of the things I have to really fight against is to remember that the FFPC main event format and dynasty formats are different. And I think that a lot of people are gonna say, well, Sean, that's one of the most obvious things. If you're having trouble with that, then you know maybe you need (laughs) to go back to Fantasy 101. But the two additional weeks does make a big difference, right? Because you think about the league ending after week 12 in redraft versus after week 14 in Dynasty. And so in Dynasty, you're just through six of the 14 weeks. You have eight more to go. And one of the things you have to love about formats with victory points is that you have multiple paths to come back. And so if you have a couple points for the victory and then many formats will have two victory points if you finish in the top four, one victory point if you finish five to eight and then zero victory points again based on scoring if you finish nine through 12 that means if you can go on a little bit of a run where you're in that top third and you're pulling back four victory points a week you can get there in a hurry so you want to be very open-eyed and reasonable about the quality of your roster because it's very easy to be in a case where you have a great starting lineup and a really good bench and to have had injuries that occur in game or to have players who have underperformed what they would likely do say from a full season perspective with geno smith you have some games that aren't that impressive you've already got the buy in there and so if you're in a super flex league where you were counting on him to score for you then you're not at where you could have very reasonably been and where you'll reasonably be as you go forward when you have a deep and potentially dominant bench the bye weeks are a time period where you can pull a lot of points back and so the quality of that portion of your roster is going to make a big difference for the two reasons obviously the one with the buys where you can pull points back but also if you've had players who are very disappointing and that happens right you're you're not going to hit on everybody in every single season if you've had disappointing starters and those guys now actually need to move to the bench, if you had either players who were good, but you just didn't have a starting spot for them, or you have players you drafted this year, like a Quinton Johnston, a Jordan Addison, a Jackson Smith and Jigba players who were on your bench because you didn't know what you were going to get to this point, but now they're starting to emerge for you a little bit, or do you reasonably think that they could emerge in the following weeks then the quality of your roster is going to be ever-changing. And that evolution matters to you because it gives you a very different sense of what's going to happen over this middle third of the season. And if you're off to a bad start, but your roster is very strong for the middle third, then you wouldn't give up yet. Because in a dynasty situation, you can always look to the future or you can make sure you get into that Area we talk about, which is the permanent championship window. Well, permanent championship window means that you're actually making the playoffs every year. You're getting a high percentage of buys, but when you don't, you're still in the playoffs and then you can have that hot team that wins. Colin, I'm sure that many of our listeners are exactly in the same situation that we're in, where we have all of those sob stories about how, oh, I had the greatest all time team and I was beaten in the finals. But,
1: or that you got bounced in the semis in your first game after a buy. <laughs> yeah that part is that part is always the worst but to balance that out you had
2: those stories where you were the sixth seed and you didn't deserve to win you didn't deserve to win but you got hot at the right moment and maybe you even hammered the number one seed in the finals that had a much better team than you had if you give up right now then you have gotten rid of that scenario And in many cases, you you won't even move that much in the positioning because, again, if you've perpetually reloaded, your roster is going to be too good to completely tank in environments where there's no consolation. And so one of the things for me that I get kind of pulled in on with the FFPC is that if you can miss the playoffs with an awesome team, then... Your chances of winning the back draw are pretty good. Now you don't want to be overconfident in the back draw any more than you want to be overconfident in the regular draw, right? But in the regular draw, you're actually facing good teams, so that does make it a little bit trickier. If you miss the playoffs with an elite team in the back draw, I mean your chances are pretty good. And when you win the one hundred and one, then what it means to you going forward is pretty significant. You've got guys, you know, like a Bijan Robinson, like a Caleb Williams. Are going to either score a lot of points for you, or the trade value is immense. You can completely reshape your team and/or take it from a team that is good, but is going to always be in a battle for the two, three, four seeds to a team that is going to be the top seed in most years. And in most years, you're just you're very difficult to compete with at all. So that for me is both the fun part and the sort of siren song in leagues where there's a a full consolation draw that's that part is hard to resist right whereas in the vast majority of leagues where you have maybe the fourth best team say and then you have bad injury luck and suddenly you're the seventh best team well the only way to move up much at all in terms of what your draft slot is going to be are to I mean you can make some trades and sometimes that will work but basically it's just to to tank in a way that is not ethical right you're benching some of your better players and you're trying to get your scores down that way and still you're only going to move up a certain percentage if you can't realistically get to the 101 the 102 the 103 because your team is simply too good why would you throw in the towel at all when you know that sometimes you're going to win as the sixth seed this other little part of it here colin we do talk about though is this, this is why you never trade your own first round pick because you want the flexibility to have a season where you have a lot of injuries and then you have the one-on-one.
1: So there's a couple of things. We'll talk about the pick in a second. So on the ethical side, any uh, public service announcement on the ethical side of tanking? There is no real ethical side. The unethical side of it?
2: Well, it just depends on your league and what the managers have agreed on as appropriate play. But in most of the leagues that I'm in, including the FFPC, if you very clearly start a player with a much lower projection, then that's actually against the rules. Now it can be difficult to enforce, but if you're doing something that's against the rules, then you know, that's straightforwardly unethical and you shouldn't do.
1: Yeah. Bar injury concerns, like if it's a case that somebody's, you know, meant to be playing on a Monday night and that's the only option that you have at that point, you know, and you play somebody over a player, that might make some sense. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it's just something that that shouldn't be done you know affects the integrity of the league and most leagues like the ffpc will have that written into the bylaws but some leagues that people maybe are playing and you know on a, an individual or home basis may not have that in there try not to do that if you can try to just play within the rules of the game and the integrity of the game the other part sean you mentioned is the pick so people first thing they will think of is if they are not making it they're going to move some players to get picks for next year but the other part then if you're trying to potentially do a case of in the ethical way move some players on that maybe weakens your current roster that maybe doesn't help you get wins the rest of the way but you also mentioned a very good point is if you have moved future picks and we do get questions in where people are either doing the perpetual reload and acquiring a lot of picks or else they have built a really stacked roster but they've also moved their first second third round pick which puts them into the squeeze then that if things do not or have not at this point of the season went the way that they had envisaged in the you know pre-season and the time where they were preparation for the season you know it's easy to move a first round pick and be like well i'm going to win this league so it's going to be the 12th pick of the first round and then all of a sudden your season's not going good And it looks like it could be the second or third pick of the the draft why i guess i've just said why but what is some of the advice you would give to people on like you know for next season potentially if they have moved them this season why they shouldn't do that in 2024 and for example in my league over the last uh two weeks i have traded for deandre swift and that there was a case where i give up my 2024 for sean and that one a team that i really feel is contending but it also is at this point of the season with a team that is you know five and one for example you should have a good idea that it's not going to be falling back into the early stages of that draft pick but you know it can be it can be one that really backfires on you if the season doesn't go the way that you envision One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending live events, the atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person. It is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats. And that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and Use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RotoViz for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Yeah, so you have different incentives based on the calendar. And when you hold your first round pick into the year, and you know, you're five weeks in, you're six weeks in, your opponents can see at least what kind of start that you're off to. And I say what start that you're off to because we don't know that it's going to continue in that direction. But there is a little bit of insulation in dynasty where when you get off to a good start, you're able to make some trades that bolster your roster. You've got other teams that are simultaneously given up, and so after you get five or six weeks in, it does get a little bit trickier to get to the very top or get to the very bottom based on other things that are happening. You still have this big mix in the middle, but. Once you've demonstrated to your league mates that you're definitively going to be in that top, say, four range, your first round pick is worth less. And so at that point, you don't necessarily want to trade it unless you get a really good deal back. And sometimes you do. And then as you just you obviously click accept it and you go forward, but you're going to believe in your own ability to outdraft the market. And you think about this most recent season where, you know, we selected a ton of Samuel Porta. Certainly you have someone like a Chan who was in that range where that's a, an early to mid second round pick, right? And so you have a shot to still get big time performers, big time future producers in that range, but it's going to have a lot wider range of outcome than you have with those top couple of picks in the middle of the off season especially if you have a young team and especially maybe if you're early ish in the history of the league and you haven't established yourself yet for everyone to see as sort of the dominant force in that league then if you have a young team and you trade your first round pick you can often get a lot back because there are going to be some opposing managers who are projecting you to have a pick in that 101 to 104 range i was in a situation in the one league where i have trade my traded my first round pick this year where i won the 101, drafted Bijan, have Jalen Hurts. Even with that, when you put together sort of a, a punk season to start, you're going to have managers who are still targeting your roster. And that was one where I traded the future first for three seconds, a couple of which were early. And so if my first round pick ends up being in that 109 to 112 range, then all three of the picks that I got back could be roughly equivalent and you're looking at those picks and you're saying okay well sam laporta rashi rice uh, marvin mims i mean i might be willing to trade a first round pick that's you know in the 106 107 range straight up for a marvin mims in the offseason. i mean he's got a ways to go yet to justify that but even the flashes that we've seen to this point would indicate that if you moved a pick that's a first rounder to get a marvin mims you might be very very happy with that column every couple of days we get trade offers for Sam LaPorta that are one plus right and so those picks can quickly become a first rounder if you had a chance to do that you would be pulled into it and so i said those are all the positives and yet this is a roster with Jalen Hurts and Bijan Robinson in a good overall starting lineup that did start 1 and 4 and So certainly the person who traded with me is very excited about where they are because there's a chance my pick could be very high, not only because, you know, I may miss the playoffs, which is perfect for them, but if my roster is actually good, and again, I approach it ethically, which I would do, I could win them the 101 by winning the backdrop. In that case, I've limited my pathways, and we always talk about trying to create as many paths as possible with Caleb Williams out there with, you know, more guys who are going to emerge. Lots of folks in the Debbie community are going to tell you this next draft is fantastic. There are going to be pieces out there where you would really love to have the option of saying, okay, I had some injuries. I had some young players, some rookies who didn't emerge early enough, but they're still going to be part of this elite team. I would have liked to have been able to push it out one more year because I had bad start sit decisions because i had bad luck on injuries because i had guys who simply didn't score enough early enough even though for a full season because one of the things that's going to happen is you're going to have some teams that blow up across weeks 15 through 18 and you look at the full season points and you look back on your roster and you're like how did i not make the playoffs i very clearly had like the best team now well you know you're not trying to win week 18 some of that is going to happen if you have a young roster because you know the points are going to be a little backloaded some of it is just purely sequencing that you can't control at all and you had the right roster but you got bad luck sometimes you have the bad luck we want to create as many pathways as possible without giving up the chance to make a trade like i did so that would be kind of right on the balance for me where the scales on both sides the incentives are similar and you want to think through what's going to happen doesn't mean you're not going to occasionally make some of those moves. But I mean, I'm now in a kind of this fun position where because I moved that pick, I have even more incentive to go win, which sometimes that's kind of what you need. Again, I, I've mentioned this siren song of getting the 101 next year. You can get the 101 every year and have a lot of fun with the rookie draft. And to an extent, that's what this is all about, right? But when there are also meaningful entry fees, you do want to occasionally win. So I'm actually excited to figure out how to pull this team back. I think it's loaded. And so as other teams realize that their team is too old and not good enough to win now, and as they move into the rebuilding phase, I'm going to move past those guys. I'm going to slingshot them in the middle third of the season. And that's the thing as we head toward week seven that you want to be a very aware of as you're making moves in your league, trying to decide whether to buy, whether to sell. You need to understand the other 11 rosters. You need to know who you're going to jump past and who is going to stay in front of you in all likelihood. Obviously, lots of things that can happen. Injuries will turn your league over multiple times as you go forward, perhaps. But if you can get into that three, four, five range very reasonably then you're going to make moves to try and win this year but also win in the future and column i think the next point of the conversation would be if you have a team that is cruising toward the 101 or the 102 what moves are you making even in that context to perpetually reload you and i have a roster that has deandre hopkins if we are roaring toward the top seed, and right now it's it's us and, and another team who look really good for it. Again, not that that couldn't change very swiftly, but we have DeAndre Hopkins. Would we look to move him and maybe even move him to that other team if we got the right trade package back? We've got Raheem Mostert. If he scores as many points as we expect over the next two or three weeks, would we then look to move him? part of it's always going to be a little bit of a problem if we assume that a coming back but what are you going to do with a scorer who is putting up points in that kind of vicinity what are we doing with a hunter henry if we get a little bit of a bounce back from him we have four tight ends in sam laporta evan ingram hunter henry pat fryermuth what are we doing to maintain kind of our stranglehold on the tight end position versus making a move that might be mutually beneficial we got to a great note from JJ and his co-manager reaching out to us and just mentioning, you know, we lost Justin Jefferson. We don't know how that's going to work out for almost a full month yet. You know, what moves do we want to make either selling Justin Jefferson, which I think would be very difficult and, or to bring in pieces to address that hole or do we think our roster is strong enough overall Colin? as you're looking at our team now where players like a george pickens like a jameson williams like a pat Fryermuth, you know like a sam howell who has been the has been a, a very reasonable qb to this point has had some spike weeks when those guys are on the bench do we move them to try and upgrade a starting lineup spot, or are we thinking our starting lineup is already good enough that those guys are not starters, we're not going to burn any ammunition to more or less just churn the roster that already works just fine?
1: Yeah, this is a very fascinating part of it because a lot of people will think if you are contending that you're going to try and you know buy those pieces to improve your roster immediately, but you mentioned with Hopkins, for example, He's the kind of player that you could see in a lot of leagues, a team that is contending, buying from a team that is now heading towards that number one pick. You know, a player who's not going to be really advantageous down the line, but could be the piece that helps you, um, you know, win win a championship this year. The other part of that that's very interesting is, you know, thinking of if you're trying to do that in a situation where you're also contending, the only teams that are really going to want to take on a veteran player like that. Who has some season-long value at this particular point as the teams that you're competing with so there's that balance of like this year versus down the line the picks or players that you acquire from them for that piece that may potentially give them a slight edge over you in 2023 but what does that mean beyond that and does that actually the player maybe that you can sneak in from the other side of that trade how does that help you This year, you mentioned some players in there that Hopkins is the very interesting one. He would be for me in a team if I was thinking of it from a team that isn't contending the likes of a Hopkins, the likes of a Mostert, those players who are more veteran. The other ones, though, that are in there, you know, we could see some spike weeks potentially from a Jameson Williams, for example. He has had his issues. I know he's still somebody, Sean, you believe a lot in, but his value is like going to keep moving down that direction. But the players that you mentioned that are on the bench i think the reason that they are on the bench is just that they haven't got to the point yet where we have been able to add them in with confidence but with the younger players that you're mentioning about you know the later portion of the season the backloaded points from those guys they are players that you'll be expecting that to come in as the season goes along i am really intrigued though in the the hopkins one that you mentioned and trying to do that um as a team that's contending, trading to a contending team? Is that something that that's not been open about it? That's not something I've done in the past. Is that something that you would feel comfortable doing? What it, would your concerns be as a contending team trading to another contender in that situation? If you get something back that is quite valuable, then I'm always looking
2: for the overall quality of the team and to let the playoff randomness do what it does. Understanding that in many of these cases, the power teams already have a high enough replacement player that if you don't make that move, they're actually not going to lose that many points. Whereas when you think about the value to the overall roster in the future, if you have the difference between DeAndre Hopkins or a future first round pick, that is going to be obviously very significant. So you look at this team that we're competing against for the number one seed, and that's not to say that other teams couldn't jump up over the next couple of weeks. Again, there are four victory points at play every week, so you do get some change around there. Maybe we don't continue to go if Justin Jefferson... That's
1: what I was going to say. Like Based on two weeks ago, DeAndre Hopkins is now much more valuable to our team than he was before Justin Jefferson's injury, for example. That's another part to weigh into it because our replacement level is not as high as it
2: was previously but you look at this team that we're competing with cooper cup adam thielen jacoby myers mike evans tyler lockett all of those guys on that roster some of those guys scoring a lot of points you look at the running back position for them and you have christian mccaffrey and zach moss so the rb2 spot could be a little bit of an issue and not that we'd be trading them a running back per se but you're going to be looking at every spot on your roster that you can upgrade right they have a travis kelsey this is a team that is definitely built to win this year which does not mean that they're going to throw picks and value away just to win this season you don't know that they're going to do that it's very much overly simplistic to assume that they're in for this year maybe next year and then you know they're embarking upon a rebuild something to that effect, there are going to be other paths that they can potentially take they might even be considering moving you know one of these guys to try and get a little bit younger but if there were the case that they do go ahead and try and make some moves to be all in on 2023 one of the things they're going to be thinking when they look at us is okay these guys already have lost justin jefferson maybe they're going to tank if they move DeAndre Hopkins and, where I can just definitely push them down. And so that part of it makes the deal more valuable to me. Some managers won't ever look at that, won't even necessarily notice, but some of the ones who are in first place in their leagues are going to have that as something that they are very tuned into. The other element of it then is that they're thinking if I make this move, it increases my chances to win the whole thing where I have the 112, it certainly starts to lock me in more for the 110 through the 112. And, we talked about some of the picks that we've hit on in that you know two hundred one to 20, you know eight nine range, for example. But everybody has memories of picks that they made in the one hundred eight to the one twelve that didn't pan out. And so the manager is going to be thinking the risk of making a pick at one ten or one eleven and having it be worth nothing is easily worth increasing my chances to win this year so you're going to have some managers who make that calculation and it may be the right calculation i'm not necessarily criticizing that we're just thinking through the different ways there are to look at dynasty trades and so if they're looking at it that way they you know might accept a deandre hopkins for a first round pick even though i mean obviously deandre hopkins number one he's in tennessee number two he's an older player and so you you might think that's just
1: he's not worth a first round pick (laughs) in that situation though people will pay i I understand what you're saying i'm just saying from my perspective and that's where you're talking about if if the piece or if what you're getting back is is valuable and obviously that would usually be more than we think that that is worth
2: well but again you've got a name with deandre hopkins you've got all of this banked production so you know we talk about the middle third of the season if he has a couple of big games in that middle third. Then, with all of the production and the name and all of that, you know, if the Tennessee Titans offense doesn't look as tragic as it's looked to this point, then suddenly I don't think it's hard to give a 112 valuation to DeAndre Hopkins at all. And so, from that point, I think it becomes interesting. So, those are some of the things you're wanting to think about and work through as you try and decide is it time to buy? Is it time to sell? And counterintuitively, it can be a, on a bad team that you actually decide to buy. It can be on a good team that you decide to sell. It's not as simple as just kind of going through the motions and jettisoning players when your team is bad and buying them when you're searching for either the number one seed or you're searching for the number six seed. We kind of think about the real buy situations as being, A, try and lock in the buy, or B, try and qualify for the playoffs at all right? Those are the two real buy leverage points where you've got to make that move across a certain threshold. Be willing to think about all of the other nuance that is involved in building the best team for the long term that's going to get you the most buys over the next
1: decade. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Hopefully people who have listened in have enjoyed some of the strategy conversation. Hopefully your teams are in a position that they're heading towards the championship and they're in that perpetual championship window but it may be a case that you're planning ahead to next season hopefully the information we've discussed today will be beneficial if there anything that we didn't discuss today you think would be beneficial from a dynasty or a redraft perspective do let us know you can let me know on twitter at overtime ireland you can also follow me there or you can email across at rotavisradio at gmail.com we'll try and fit some of those topics in on future shows my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to Maryland. my co-host is sean Siegel. check out all of sean's work up on rotaviz.com. and until we are back have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotavis radio please rate and review the rotavis radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotavis and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Roadiviz radio homepage rotavis.com forward slash podcast